Welcome to Mastering Your Financial Life, hosted by Judy Heft, the founder and CEO of Judith Heft and Associates Financial and Lifestyle Concierge. This year, they're celebrating 26 years in business. In every episode, Judy interviews professionals who help others successfully manage their financial lives. You can find this show on YouTube, LinkedIn, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and more. Judy is the author of two books, How to Be Smart, Successful, and Organized with Your Money, For a Better Today and Tomorrow, and her latest book, Mastering Your Financial Life Cycles, How to Successfully Manage Money in Every Decade of Life. You can read chapters of her books and catch prior episodes of this show at www.judithheft.com. Now here's the host of Mastering Your Financial Life, Judy Heft. Hey there, everybody. Welcome. Welcome to our 31st episode of Mastering Your Financial Life Cycles. And I'm really excited to be here with uh, David Leeser. David is a partner uh, at Sertelman, Allen, Adler, and Hyman in the Trust and Estates Department. He's a litigator. He, he's very well versed in elder law. He works with a lot of people and helps with Medicaid planning. Of course, he does wills and trusts and other uh, advanced care directives, healthcare proxies, powers of attorneys, whatever else needs to be done. And, um, you know, he works with also with tax and Medicare planning says, or Medicaid planning, because you really never know when you're going to need that. And even if you have a lot of money, I think it's really important to have those plans in place. So help me welcome David, David Leeser. Thank you for being here today, David. Thank you, Judy. Really pleased to have you here. So, you know, I think some of the things I, I know that people say is, you know, why do I need an estate plan? I don't have anything. I'm young. I'm 30 years old. I, you know, I don't have any kids yet. But why is it so important to get that started and really earlier, sooner than later, I think? Right. Yeah, it's definitely important to engage in estate planning uh, to some extent. I think a lot of people initially feel that I don't have a big estate, so I'm not ready for something like this yet. However, uh, really the, the primary reason people engage in estate planning is to ensure that they determine where their assets are going to go. So if you don't have a will or do anything, um, assets go by what's called intestacy. So New York State has certain laws which will determine who receives your assets, and that may not be what you intend. So by way of example, if someone was to have a, a spouse and children, they may assume everything goes to my spouse. However, under laws of intestacy, actually, the first 50000 will go to your spouse, and the balance would be divided between your spouse and your children equally. Uh, for some people, that may work. For others, that may not be what they wanted. Uh, I've seen cases where a marital home had to be sold so that half of the husband's assets could go to his wife and children even though he may have intended for his assets to go to his wife. Um, and then also it's important in terms of you deciding who's in control of your estate. After you pass on, there may be a person that you feel is best suited to uh, serve as an executor and handle things. But if uh, you don't engage in estate planning, there could be family disputes and conflict over who's best served to do this and Again, it's a disservice to the family because then they're going to be possibly fighting with one another and uh, it can be avoided uh, pretty easily. 
So maybe the word estate planning is daunting and overwhelming for people. And they think estate planning, I don't have an estate. You know, I think that's maybe that turns people off. And one of the reasons, I mean, it's such an emotional thing to do is to get a will together. And I know that sometimes younger couples with young children don't know who to leave in charge of their children, who the guardians of their children should be. So they procrastinate and they put it off. I think that's one of the reasons. I think people are afraid to, you know, they're afraid to face their own demise and they don't want to make those decisions. It's also, I think sometimes decisions of who to leave what is kind of overwhelming for people, but it's just a big mistake. I mean, have you dealt with people that don't have wills in place and then what happens? You know, it's a lot of litigation, I would think, right? Yeah, there's just, again, is more uncertainty, so it puts stress on, on the family members. And uh, in case cases where you're talking about where um, someone's a, a young couple, um, which is generally a good time to do a, a first will. Um, if you have children at that point, you want to have uh, decisions in place. If something were to happen to you both, um, who would take care of your children? Who would serve as the guardian? Uh, it's an important decision, and it, it's one a lot of people, couples have trouble deciding on, and that's why they kind of put off uh, doing their estate planning because they can't decide whose sister or whose parents should be in charge. But uh, again, it's it's a decision that needs to be made and it can always be changed. Your will can be uh, altered at any time, um, but to have some instructions in place is important. And also just if you have minor children, who would you want to uh, oversee their assets? How would you want uh, things distributed to them if you were to both pass away. These are important decisions. People spend their lives accumulating assets and they want to make sure uh, that it goes um, where they want them to go after they pass on. I think an important thing that you just said is you can always change your mind. So, you know, it's important to put something in place. And if the person you pick doesn't seem to be the right person in another year or two, or the children are getting older and they need somebody else, you can always change that. So it's not anything that you're going to have to live with for your entire life if you don't want to you know we can change these things yeah exactly go ahead i I would yeah i would say most people probably do roughly three to four wills in their lifetimes so when you have when you're starting out you may do one and then once your kids are older if you have children and uh, you you would revise it because you no longer need those guardians and things of that nature and then when you get older maybe towards your later years again as as your assets change and your situation changes, you, you make uh, appropriate revisions to your estate plans. And no. in one area in particular, um, if people start to accumulate more assets, if um, they have a more sizable estate, there's tax implications that they want to consider, um, especially um, the tax laws are in flux. I mean, right now, basically everyone has a federal and a New York state gift and estate tax exemption. So what this means is there's a certain amount you're allowed to have, and then anything beyond that would be taxed. So in terms of federal estate taxes, right now it's a $12 million exemption. So for most people, they don't have to worry about taxes um, at the federal level. However, those with sizable assets um, should be planning, especially since this $12 million exemption is scheduled to go back down to $5 million in 2026. So right now, there's an opportunity to gift assets because you have a $12 million exemption. So if you don't do any planning and that number goes down to $5 million and you have an $11 million estate, you basically gave up an opportunity to use this uh, $12 million exemption. 
once the statute sunsets, that won't be available to people. And similarly, New York State has its own tax laws. There's a $6 million exemption in place. Um, but New York is a little more drastic in that if you exceed that amount, let's say you have a $7 million estate, uh, the entire estate would be subject to estate taxes, not just the overage. Um, so let's say New York State has roughly a 10 to 15% estate tax, uh, whereas the federal government's 40%, um, it still can add up significantly. So mm -hmm. what you want to do is um, have an estate attorney really look at your situation. Um, you don't want to just leave all of your assets to your spouse, let's say, because that doesn't use your estate tax exemption. If you have a $5 million New York state exemption and you leave everything to your spouse and you had a total estate of, let's say, 7 to $8 million, um, your wife, when she passes away, if she post-deceases, then her estate would have a significant estate tax. But if you conducted estate planning, you could have used your estate exemption and then later her estate exemption, which was a combined $10 million, and avoided any estate taxes. So I know it gets a little complicated. I'm throwing out a lot of uh, numbers and, and procedures, but I just want to get people thinking um, as to the different issues that can arise with estate planning and, and ways you can you know, maximize assets for your family. Then here's where you need to hire a professional, an attorney that knows the laws and knows what's going on because the tax laws change so rapidly. Every year, it seems like there might be something else that we have to know about the regular people. Like me, we don't always know about these things. So one of the things I wanted to ask you too, so when you're talking to someone, they come to you and they say, you know what, I don't have anything going on right now. I don't have my estate plan in order. I want to do that. How do you recommend or, you know, or what suggestions you give them around creating trusts or not creating trusts? You know, what's, what's the best way to do that when you're creating your estate plan? That should be part of it. I would assume the trust piece. No, that's a great question. And that's some, confusion people have, and they often come with that question. Uh, basically, you can set up wills, or you could set up trusts, trusts, or you can have a combination of both. They're basically two means of transferring assets. So I'd say the majority of people um, prefer a will, uh, which basically directly leaves assets to your heirs. Um, it goes into effect upon death. So what that means is uh, after you pass away, the will has to be approved by a surrogate's court. Uh, since you're no longer here to attest to its validity, um, your immediate relatives are put on notice and uh, the court has to validate it. Um, and for the overwhelming majority of situations, this is fine. The probate process is, is seamless. It does not take very long. Um, usually the family members sign waivers and everybody agrees to the will. However, there are situations where there are complications. Uh, if you don't have any close immediate relatives, let's say your uh, closest heirs at law are cousins or distant cousins all over the country, it could be more difficult to get jurisdiction. And so uh, probate could become a more time-consuming process. Or let's say if you're uh, disinheriting a child and there might be a contest proceeding where they want to challenge the will, you may not want to go through um, a will and the probate court. You might want to consider an alternative means. Or perhaps you might have out-of-state assets, which would require the will to be probated in two different jurisdictions, which could become costly. So again, it's important to speak with an estate attorney based on your situation to see what's um, 
the ideal way of uh, structuring your estate planning. Uh, if a will is not the ideal situation for you, people often do uh, revocable trusts. So the benefit of that is you don't have to go through a court. If it's put into your um, lifetime document, it's called an inter vivos trust, which goes into effect when you sign it. And therefore, like I said, you don't have to go through the court system. Um, for some people, it may not be ideal. You have to move all of your assets into the trust in order for it to take effect. Um, if you have a trust, but you don't actually fund the trust, um, it wouldn't control assets that have not been retitled in the name of the trust. Mm -hmm. uh, and again, every situation is different. We have cases where uh, people can have a will along with the trust, you know, depending on what you need, or the will can contain trust provisions in it. Um, one of the, which would be called a testamentary trust. And uh, an advantage of having trust is you have more control over how the assets are going to be passed. Rather than just leaving them to a person, you might put certain conditions in place and certain people in place in order to uh, ensure that your wishes are met. There's so, a lot to think about. Yeah. I mean, just really by way of example, I mentioned earlier, if you have a, a spouse and you, let's say you have a seven or eight million dollar estate and you don't want to leave all your assets to your spouse because that could then um, negate the value of your lifetime exemption. And let's say you want the money to be available to her, but you want to leave it ultimately to your children. Um, by structuring it in a trust, you can set forth those terms. You could say, okay, upon my wife's passing, I want these assets to go to my children which can be uh, especially important if you have a second marriage mm -hmm. and children from a first marriage, you can um, put procedures in place so that your second wife is protected, your estate exemption is protected, and also your um, children are protected. And a trust would be the ideal solution to navigate that process. That sounds great. We're going to take a little break here, David, and then we'll come back and talk a little bit more. Thank great. you. Thank you, Judy. Hey there. I just want to tell you a little bit about my new book that just came out called Mastering Your Financial Life Cycle. And here it is. It's how to successfully manage your money in every decade of life. I co-authored this with my CFO, Liz Levy. And together we created this manual that's going to help you through every stage of life. We talk about having a baby. We talk about young adulthood, pre-retirement, what to do when you're at that age of retirement, if you're contemplating divorce, do you need an estate plan? We cover all of these, each subject in a different chapter. And I really think that you're going to find this so helpful because at the end of every chapter, we have checklists that you can look at and you can use and they can be a guide for you. So this is a wonderful manual that we've created. It's available on Amazon. You can also find it on our website at judithpepp.com slash book. And we're here for you. If you need anything, reach out. I hope you enjoy the book. Here's another picture of it, just so you know what's going on. Here it is. And I'm really proud of it. It's my second book. And I'd love to have you uh, read it and give me your feedback. Judy Heft, JudithHeft.com, financial and lifestyle concierge, celebrating 26 years in business. And over the years, I've learned so much. And what I've been trying to do is impart a little bit of this knowledge to you so I can help all of you become as financially organized as I am. 
And we're back with David Lisa. Thank you, David. So, you know, one of the things that I think, you know, is important to talk about, you know, when should I start planning for long-term care needs? Does that include long-term insurance? Does that include, you know, Medicaid planning? You know, I think so many people get the two terms, Medicaid and Medicare, mixed up a lot. They don't know that there's a big difference there. They're two entirely different things. So maybe we can talk a little bit about, you know, um, long-term care planning and what's involved in that, what they need to know. Great. Yeah, thanks, Judy. That is that is an important topic and something we, we discuss with all of our clients. Generally, I'd say when, when someone's in their early 60s, it's a good time to start thinking about long-term care. Um, basically, uh, in the event someone needs to go to some type of nursing facility um, down the road, it can be very costly. On, on Long Island, it could be in excess of $200,000 a year. Um, and what that can do is basically drain your entire uh, life savings. So there's uh, steps you can take to uh, protect your assets in the event uh, you need that type of care. Um, so as you mentioned, long-term care insurance is is one option. And it's something that you should begin looking at, again, I'd say in your 60s. Um, if you wait too long, um, you would not may not be eligible for long-term care insurance. Or if you develop certain health risks you would not be eligible. And your insurance rates will be higher if you're um, older. So it's definitely one vehicle to to discuss with your planners um, to protect against this type of risk. And another aspect is um, from the legal side, uh, you might want to uh, transfer assets so that they would be protected. And again, every situation is different. I'm gonna just kind of give some general thoughts but it really depends on what assets you have and how they're structured. Um, I mean, a lot of people are familiar with the five-year look-back rule. Um, basically, what that entails is if you want to be eligible for Medicaid, and basically Medicaid would be um, government benefits that would pay the cost of being in a nursing facility, um, you have to have below a certain threshold. And that changes each year. But um, right now in 2022, your resources would have to be uh, below $16,800. So um, a lot of people think they would never qualify for that, but there are steps you could take to, again, preserve certain assets. Uh, you typically would want to leave certain money in your name, but if, let's say you have a house. That's the type of asset that you could possibly put into a, a Medicaid trust. And what that does is, uh, after being there for five years, uh, it's no longer considered an available asset. In determining your resources and this way uh, if you ever need to go to a nursing facility you can rest easy that your house is protected and it will go to who you want a lot of people don't realize this and if they go to a nursing facility um, after they pass away the family learns there's a lien of potentially three or four hundred thousand dollars and the house which was the primary uh, asset of inheritance no longer has any value uh, so this is the type of thing we would discuss if you have other if you have other accounts, you can also put those into a Medicaid trust. It's basically money that you don't think you no longer need um, and you want to have protected so that uh, it doesn't get spent down um, if you happen to be in a, a nursing facility. Well, that's really good information. That's really helpful to know, David. Thank you. So uh, I think we're going to have to wrap it up now. So how can our uh, listeners find you? Where are you? Okay. okay. So are you admitted in only New York or New York and somewhere else or... What's yeah, your I'm, 
Um, New York keeps me busy enough. Um, yeah, I would always recommend to contact an estate attorney where you reside because the laws um, change uh, among mm-hmm. jurisdictions. But I'm at a Long Island firm, Sir Tillman, Ballin, Adler, and Hyman. We have offices in East Meadow and Hophog. And like I said, I'm in our trust and estates group. We handle a wide array of matters from you know guardianship proceedings to estate administration and uh, again, uh, estate planning, as we discussed. And we also handle other areas um, of law as well. This is great. And so how can they find you? Are you on LinkedIn? Um, yeah, everything. Um, my, my, my firm's website, uh, Sir Tillman Ballin, has connections to all of our, our links, um, which includes LinkedIn and Facebook and, and other uh, available resources. Great. Thank you so much, David. It was a pleasure speaking with you today. I know I learned a lot. I'm hoping our, our listeners did too. I'm sure they did. Thank you. Great. Thank you for the opportunity, Judy. I enjoyed it. My pleasure, it. David. You've been listening to Mastering Your Financial Life, hosted by Judy Heft. Thank you for your positive reviews, comments, and sharing this show with others. You can read chapters of Judy's books and catch prior episodes of Mastering Your Financial Life at www.judytheft.com. 